Welcome to the Photog Adventures podcast. This is episode five, and I'm Aaron King. And I'm Brendan Porter. We are the Photog Adventurers. You can find us at photogadventures.com and follow along with us on our adventures as we go out on the weeknights and weekends. Really, at any moment we can find time to go out and get any photography in, we take it and we go. Between our day jobs and our family responsibilities, it's hard to find time, and so when we can, we get out there. Today we're going to talk about an adventure we had on May 4th. We went out to take some photos of the Milky Way over a train trestle at night. I guess obviously at night. <laughs> where was it? What was it? And where are the Silver City Ruins, Brendan? Okay, so the train trestle and the Silver City Ruins are fairly close to each other in location. So I think I think they're about 20 minutes apart, maybe driving, even that. So the train trestle is an abandoned train track. It dead ends into a road and crosses over a little gully just before it dead ends into the road. So it's a really nice location to get to, really easy to just pull up and just walk on the tracks because it's just right there off the road. And it's a cool location. It's about 30 feet high from the bottom of the gully to the train trestle, approximately. Um, So there's plenty of vertical spots to capture the Milky Way through the posts under the train tracks and around the train tracks. And it was just kind of cool to kind of play around that area. We had been always looking for a good foreground element to be in our astrophotography. At this point, we had very distant foreground elements. And so when we discovered the train trestle on Google Earth, it seemed like a perfect place for us to capture the Milky Way with something really close, right in front of the camera, that was going to be interesting. Yeah, it was a neat spot. And then in the morning after we were done shooting, we drove around Um, to the Silver City Ruins, which is kind of nearby. That was something I found on Google Earth as I was exploring that area. And I was fascinated by it, and I wanted to check out the area. So I did a little research and found out that the Silver City Ruins was one of the largest foundries in the state when it was built. And so the ruins have very large concrete footings in the ground and some tunnels and pits and stuff. So I thought it might be a kind of cool place to go check out. It really, really was. I'm so glad that you found that. I mean, we've been finding a ton of good locations on Google Earth so far. I mean, when you ask us why, why'd we go out to these locations, almost so far exclusively, the answer has been Google Earth. We look through Google Earth. It's such an amazing spy tool. You don't have to actually get out there. You can just look at Google Earth and scout. When we go to Notch Peak, we actually found a location that has a cabin, thanks to Brendan being on Google Earth again. So Google Earth, we can't emphasize Mm. enough how much the scouting helps going on Google Earth. So why specifically this train trestle? Why this location? Well, where I live, that's only about 45 minutes away, maybe 40, honestly. And in Inside the city I live, it's a suburb of Salt Lake, and so it's terribly bright. The sky is polluted with light, and you can't see the Milky Way. Maybe tiny little faint faint views of the Milky Way stripe, but you really don't know what you're looking at. It's no clarity, nothing to take a picture of. It's just completely gone. To find something 40 minutes from home that was going to have the Milky Way and clarity was just such an awesome, awesome location. Looking on the light pollution maps and finding out that this area was just outside some of the brighter areas and in a little pocket where you could find some dark skies and there was an awesome foreground element like this we couldn't give up on we couldn't miss it and so we went out there to make sure we got that astrophotography with the foreground element this time something that was really going to shine and I don't think that it really disappointed So Brendan came over to my house way early in the morning, and then we drove together the 40-minute drive out to this train trestle. I'm following my Google Maps on my phone and trying to make sure I get it. It's pitch black, and so we can't really see anything, and I kept expecting to see more of an obvious sign that we're at the train tracks, but nothing. Nothing was showing up. It wasn't until the car in front of me 
pulled off the road that I was able to recognize that on my map, we were there. So I watched this car pull around thinking, okay, I got to pull around too. I hope they don't think I'm following them. So I pull around thinking they're just going to keep going down the road and they're doing a U-turn, but they pull over and stop. And so now I really look like I'm following them and I get a little nervous about stopping near them. So I drive past them, continue on, and I see another car parked off the side of the road and we have to go on beyond that. You have to understand, it was 3 a.m. in the morning. It was already crazy enough that where I was heading, that I had a car in front of me going the same direction. Let alone that when I arrived at my abandoned railroad and I started turning off, that the car in front of me started turning off. And so it felt awkward. I felt like, oh no, this person thinks that I'm following them and that I want to fight. <laughs> and then it turned out to be a woman. And she was the one probably thinking, who are these two creepy guys that have followed me out here? I'm going to die. So here we are, we've arrived, we've got this other mystery woman who's coming out of her car, wondering, okay, what's going on? And then we notice in the distance, there's these two headlamps already going on the railroad tracks. So it finally dawned on us, oh my gosh, not only is this place completely discovered, but there's people tonight, the same night that we decided to go out there doing their own astrophotography. So we went out there, we introduced ourselves to these guys. They were helping this woman who was doing some astrophotography, and she forgot her camera. It was her camera, right? It wasn't just a lens. Yeah, I think it was her, her entire camera she forgot, and she went back to get it. <laughs> or a tripod or something. It was something critical that she, yeah. I thought it was camera, but that seems way too much of a miss. Yeah, you'd think you'd bring a camera with you going shooting at night. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I've forgotten a tripod before, but I've never forgotten a camera. So here we are. We meet these guys. They're cool. They're just working on their stuff. Their composition that they're focusing on is the Milky Way over the abandoned part of the railroad tracks. Yeah, they were actually on the tracks. Yeah, they were up there on them, using them as a foreground that led your eyes into the Milky Way. At this time of year, the Milky Way wasn't high enough in the sky or far enough southwest to actually show up on the railroad tracks, but they were trying to get something out of it. Mm -hmm. Our whole composition was based on the trestle itself. We wanted to see the trestle broadside, all of the pylons, the vertical horizontal beams of the trestle in our shot. So we carried on past these guys. We crossed the trestle, realizing that we had to hop from beam to beam to get over the gap that is the gully, and it wasn't very safe. It wasn't terribly dangerous, but we realized, oh my gosh, now we have to actually really pay attention or one of us could come out of this trip with a sprained ankle. So we were being very careful with our headlamps and walking carefully across beam to beam to beam until we got to the side of the gully. In order to find our composition, we came down the hill, went into the gully, and set up our cameras in a position where we could see the broadside face of the trestle and have the Milky Way be behind it and underneath the horizontal tracks. It was pretty awesome, but for me, on my Canon 70D, it was actually very tight. I could not get my 24mm Rokin on to show that trestle in full glory, and so I settled for a vertical shot where I only saw a little bit of the trestle crossing in. You couldn't get any of the environment around it. Yeah, and the problem with that lens is that you're using is because we didn't have enough distance to scoot back. Oh, yeah. Because the land started going back up the hill, and there was a like barbed wire fence yeah. between us and the road. And so there was just it was just a really awkward situation where the wash 
kind of like turned and then went parallel with the road. And so we only had so far we could back up into the wash before we just dead ended. So Yeah, I completely forgot that. We could move back, but every time we moved back, we went higher and higher. And then the trestle, mm-hmm. you know, be- lost. We lost our vantage point, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the trestle was completely pitch black. As we're taking our shots, we got some really good Milky Way shots, but I didn't have anything to light paint that bridge with. I think we had a flashlight or two, but they just seemed inadequate. Like they just weren't like powerful enough or something. They weren't very powerful, plus they were the wrong color. And I had already ordered my EECTAC really nice high CRI LED bulb that was going to bring out the natural colors of whatever I pointed it at. And so I didn't feel like light painting and then going back in and processing and fixing it. So light painting was off the list for me. I thought, up. Oh, there's no hope for light painting this bridge. And then came the cars. We saw several cars drive past us in the middle of our exposures. And we thought, ah, oh, these dang cars, they're going to ruin these pictures. And, uh, but then we looked on the preview on the back of this camera and we're like, hey, actually, I kind of like the way that turned out. That was actually pretty cool. And so then I started timing my next exposures, several exposures for the next few cars that came by. And it was pretty cool because the headlights were nice and yellow, like sunlight would be. And they were like, they, I think they're older cars because they didn't really have a whole lot of blue light, like the newer headlights. So we were, we were lucky that a lot of older cars came driving by probably with their brights on too because it was literally pitch black middle of nowhere and you don't want to hit a deer in that area i mean right. that's a place where deer are always crossing right so they were driving by with their full brights on and they just as they passed that trestle at just like 50 miles an hour just zooming by they just had just enough time in that to light it up without blowing it out without overexposing it it was actually perfect it was really cool I was such a naysayer. I kept telling you that it wasn't going to work with my light painting, that we shouldn't use anything else. And then these cars come by and prove me wrong immediately. I started timing my own exposures around when the cars come by. So let's go ahead and take our first break and come back talking more about what went well, what worked with this shot, and what we could have done better. The craziest thing about this trip is that this was two days after my wife gave birth to our second child. The reason why she even let me go is because I sold her on the idea that, look, you're in the hospital. Right now, you have the most easy time possible to take care of this baby. You're going to sleep. You have nurses by maybe two or three nurses all night long that are there to help you out with the baby, and they're there to help you out be comfortable. So. If I stayed here tonight and slept with you in the hospital, what really would I do? This is the kind of thing you can get away with on the second child and maybe later. Mm. But on the first child, yeah, <laughs> first child, no. I was not allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was practically holding her hand and caressing her palm saying, you did a fantastic job. Thank you for delivering our firstborn child. And so I convinced her that, hey, you just want to sleep. And these nurses are going to help you sleep. I would just be uncomfortable here. Can I go home and take my son? And then I milked my way into, and since I'm going home, can I have your mom stay with our son at our house so that I can take off with Brendan and go out and take pictures of this trestle? <laughs> and then I started showing her pictures of Google Earth. Like, this trestle, isn't this trestle awesome? This is probably the perfect angle and everything for the Milky Way. And she wasn't really buying that part of the argument, but she understood that there wasn't really any other reason to 
say mm-hmm. no, then, hey, you should get some sleep, you idiot. And I'm like, well, yeah, always true. But it didn't matter. It didn't work because I got to go. And so Brendan came and picked us up, and we got out there. And really, Brendan, what went well about going to the Trestle? Why did it turn out to be a good location? Um, what I liked about it is that, as I mentioned earlier, the, the cars drove by and actually provided uh, the perfect light painting for that old trestle and uh and like i said earlier it just brought out the detail and it was like just i don't know like it just worked out really well so i was happy about that um there's other photographers in the area and they actually made for kind of a cool subject too like when they were packing up and heading out and they had their flashlights on they were walking and bobbing across the train tracks i actually picked that up in one of my exposures and i thought that was pretty cool so that was neat and it was a really dark site too like it really was pretty dark so the stars were nice and bright they're shining the milky way was very visible and so it was really easy to capture so that was those are three things that i really thought went, went, went really well yeah it was really cool that other people were there It was simultaneously frustrating that other people were there who were going to get your composition and were stealing your secret location that you thought you found through an awesome Google search. No, they were there because it was popular. And the fact that it's there, it's at least comforting knowing that, hey, this place was a good decision to come because other people who are like-minded and really wanted that shot, they went there too. So they found this place to be good. Well, that guy said, yeah, well, that guy said that it was one of his favorite spots, and he actually brought two people with him that night. So that was kind of yeah. interesting. It kind of turned into a, oh, crap, you guys are here? Gosh dang it. To a, oh, yeah, yeah, you see, Brendan, I chose this place because I have this natural ability to find really cool sites, mm. and obviously other people know that too. And you should harness that skill, my friend. <laughs> I have harnessed it, and I'll keep harnessing it. Mm-hmm. So what really went well for me is I'm not going to talk too much about the what poorly went what went poorly with my camera being smaller not full frame and not having a wide enough lens i want to talk about what actually was awesome and the trestle it was a good foreground subject in the beginning i said that we didn't have a foreground object or our other foreground objects weren't very close and so how can i call them foreground well when you have the milky way that's an infinite distance from us practically anything underneath it was foreground a foreground subject but we hadn't had a true foreground subject because we've had something on the ground something in the distance and then milky way and so this was our first location where we had a real true foreground subject a mm-hmm. midground of hills and goalie going off in the distance and we actually didn't have anything terribly far in the background it was sort of a looking up out of the goalie and so all, all we saw was sky but it worked really well as a foreground subject. It was beautiful. The old character in the wood made the history of the whole train tracks apparent. It made it interesting to wonder what's going on, what went on here, what used to travel along these tracks. Mm -hmm. So then also, it was an awesome place to get to. It was an easy drive, and you had no real walk after you got off the road. You was just right next to the road is this trestle. And so you park, you walk down across the tracks, drop into the gully, and you're there. So it's not a hard, Mm -hmm. difficult location to get to, a place we can take many people out to go see and go try their own astrophotography there. It wouldn't be hard to get there at all. Yeah, yeah. And an easy location like that means you could come back many times. And I tried, actually, a couple times to get back there. My first time back, I realized before I even got out of the car, I was running out of time, and my main purpose was to get out to this other location that I had been before. So I decided, no, okay, just we'll, we'll come back later. And then I tried again later, completely alone, and there was this 
group, maybe a dozen, yapping coyotes. I could hear them in the distance, and then I could hear something close. And then I heard what I thought was a dog. It was sort of distressed, and so I wasn't sure if it was a dog or a bigger coyote, but this thing was barking and barking and they yapping and yapping. They seemed to be fighting or possibly warning each other, and they were literally 20 yards in front of me in the dark. And so I thought, oh, they're paying attention to each other. I can get out there to the gully, no problem. I shut my door. Bark, bark, bark. Oh, okay. Maybe that was maybe that dog was barking at me. So I stopped. I got quiet. Opened my car door up again and shut it. Bark, 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 bark. What was in the dark, roughly 20 yards in front of me, was barking at me, warning me, saying, hey, 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 every time I made any noise. And so I was freaking out thinking, maybe I shouldn't walk across this train track and drop into the gully and then have this dog find me. I figured it was behind some barbed wire fence because I could hear the sheep that it was potentially protecting over the night since there are coyotes in this area. I thought maybe it's just protecting the sheep. Be a man, go down there. But man, I could feel myself sweating, thinking, okay, what if I get down there and something happens? I'm totally alone. You don't want to be alone where people don't really know where you are. My wife knew I was going out, but I didn't tell her that exact location, I think, that night. And so I figured, play it safe, move on to your next location. So I still haven't made it out there, but it's an awesome, close location, and I can make it out there a ton. I just have to make the drive. So we got to go back out together so it's kind of safer in numbers. Yeah, hold my hand so that we don't worry about the coyotes that are yapping in the distance. So now let's talk about what could have gone better. What do you think could have gone better with the whole shot? Um, with me, I would have liked to have had more room to compose at different angles and stuff. Like I had mentioned earlier, the goalie kind of like came out under the trestle and then turned and went parallel along the road and went kind of like in then a ditch form. There's like a ditch right behind us. And every time we try to go back further to get more angle or more sky, we ended up going up the hill. And there's like big pieces of concrete and rocks around. And it was just brush you know and bushes in the way and there's just kind of it just wasn't very accommodating for for the space so um it might be better if we go like at dusk maybe next time and kind of map out a better place next time get a better composition before it gets dark that could work and um so yeah i really i'd like to go back and try that maybe a little bit earlier so we can actually see the overall surrounding and maybe get a better a better angle yeah, I think in August or September, we're going to need to go out there and try and see if we can get that vertical Milky Way to line up on the leading line oh, of the yeah. tracks. Oh, and yeah. so let's get back there and do try it again. Yeah. So with my camera, obviously the full frame, lacking full frame is a big deal. Landscape and astrophotography, having that full frame take full advantage of my 24 millimeter is what I miss. Every time I rent the Canon 6D, I practically feel like throwing away my Canon 70D, but it's an awesome <laughs> camera. <laughs> So I go, I just need to be happy that I have it and move on and can't wait to earn the money from my Canon 60. And in my situation with being lacking a full frame, I like to do a panorama to make up for it. And in this case, like Brendan said, there wasn't enough room for me to even do a panorama. I was just too close to the trestle that my panorama would have been really difficult to stitch as that horizontal line of the trestle would be too obviously stitched together mm. versus something that's a little further out away from the lens and not getting as warped as I go from right to left. Mm. So let's go ahead and take our last break for the night and come back for gear time with Brendan.
All right, everybody, welcome to Gear Time. Um, I'm going to talk today about a lens cleaning kit. So if you don't know what that is, it's a little kit you can order that can help you maintain and clean your lens. So what I got here um, for myself, um, I think I found it on Amazon, and you can get them just about anywhere, even you know local camera stores or eBay or wherever you can find these clean lens cleaning kits. So I like mine because it came with two two pen brushes. So a pen brush actually extends when you push out the pen brush, it actually extends these little, I don't know if you can hear that, these little tiny hairy bristles that are nice and clean and you can cl clear off big debris from your lens without actually having to fog it up or anything. It's a really fast way to just brush something off. And then on the back of the cap, it actually has a little felt, curved felt tip that you can use to actually fine, fine clean spots on your lens um, or if you happen to spit on your lens like I happen to do sometimes. <laughs> I know we've all been there before. Drooling you know, over your composition. Too, oh. Well, too much moisture comes out of your mouth. <laughs> so this is really cool for kidding this. So, so I got a Polaroid Polaroid brand one. <clears throat> and I was very happy because I thought, I oh, Polaroid's been around for a while. They've been making cameras and lenses forever. They probably have a decent kit. Well, they do. And um, they actually came with two microfiber cloths as well. So one microfiber cloth is pretty big and it's a general cleaning cloth. You can use it to wipe your lens, but they actually have a specific lens cleaning microfiber as well with some special chemicals on it. So the bigger cloth is for cleaning the outside of the lens, the camera and everything else, but I've cheated since it was nice and clean and brand new. I, I sometimes actually use it for my lens as well. And, um, and I actually haven't used the lens cleaning cloth yet. I've, I've been very bad. It actually has instructions here to breathe breathe lightly, gently wipe the surface for about 10 seconds. And it says it has about 200 applications as when used as directed and contains one six inch by seven inch anti-fog cloth. So I guess this would be the final step. I guess they probably, you know, probably don't worry too much about cleaning the lens with the other microfiber cloth because it is microfiber. It's really nice and clean and and uh, and good at doing its job but once you start cleaning your len outer lens and your camera body with this cloth obviously you're not going to want to use it to clean your lens anymore so that's where you have the pens brush off the big things do a little you know felt tip clean up and then you can do the anti-fog which i think probably brightens up the lens a little bit probably has a little bit of cleaner agent in it i guess and so um maybe i should try it Maybe I'll try it this week, and I'll let you know how it goes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the that's the gear for the week is a, a lens cleaning kit. You guys should look into that. If you don't have one already, if you're looking to upgrade, Polaroid makes a decent one with two pens and two cloths. It's one you can look at. It has a nice little pouch that it comes with, and I can just stick that right conveniently in a little spare spot in my bag. It's nice and compact. I really... I'm very happy with this kit. Especially if you guys are going out somewhere where you're taking shots of waterfalls, you're near water, you're gonna have some buildup of moisture on your lens. And you Oh yeah, I mean just just going out in general, you're gonna get stuff yeah. on it. So. We were out there in a desert area and we were constantly having to wipe the lens. As I looked into the sun, I realized, oh my gads, I have dots and dots of dust on this lens, and I had no idea. It was just from one picture walking to the next that I had gathered so much dust in the walk, mm. leaving my lens cap off that if I didn't have with me something to wipe off that lens clean it, I had a nice little Zeiss. I would think it was a Zeiss cleaning towel, one of those little moist towelettes that you can rip off of, rip 
mm-hmm. open out of mm-hmm. that one inch mm-hmm. square. Those are great. And if you have something that is like a waterfall, you can't use them to dry up your lens. So make sure you also have one of those rags or even just a towel to wipe off a lens. Oh, and and I just thought of another really good tip. Like we live in a pretty dry area, but a lot of you guys out there aren't going to live in dry areas. You're going to live in like Seattle or Alaska or somewhere where it's a lot more moist. And so um, put one of those silica packets when you get something shipped to you and sometimes you eat the silica packets in the mail. Drop one of those bad boys in your lens cleaning kit, and that will actually wick a lot of the moisture away from your microfiber, and that way your microfiber can stay nice and clean. So there's a little tip if you live in a moist area, do a little silica packet in there. That's awesome. I never even thought of that. That's cool. Yeah, just came to my mind. So So let's talk about the tip of the week. My situation, we had coyotes. The first time we were down there, Brendan's like, man, I can hear those coyotes. And what was it, like 10 minutes later, we heard them howling, yelping, and then it just sounded like they found something to eat. They were so loud. So it felt like they were coming at us. And then when I went there alone, I had that in my mind, the back of my mind, oh, coyotes are everywhere out here. So let's talk about what you got to do to keep yourself safe when you go out here, especially when you go out alone. Number one, make sure you tell someone where you're going. Put yourself a pin on the map in your phone. Take a screenshot of it. Email text to someone, your wife, your girlfriend, your mom if you're living in her basement. You should probably move out by now. Yeah, seriously. Make sure they know. <laughs> make sure they know where you're going so that they can recover your body. You know, so that if you break your leg, they can go and get there before you do have only a body to recover. Only and so that was left. one mistake yeah. I made about telling my wife that night. You know, I've got a la- I just thought maybe a laser pointer would be a good thing to carry. It's really small and compact. And if a dog is a if a coyote's coming to attack you, bust that sucker out and start zipping it along the ground and he may just like end up tackling that thing and playing with it instead and playing with the laser instead of playing with you. You know, that that could work. Well, I looked up information on coyotes and that's kind of one of them. In a weird way, it kind of is true what Brendan's saying is that what they say is that coyotes typically and most most often than not, let's just say 98% of the time, they will not harm a human. They will not attack a human. There's only been two known deaths of a coyote attack in the last 40 mm. years. Someone in the 80s, and that was a two-year-old, and another one in um, Canada that happened in the late 90s. And so really, coyotes are not known for attacking humans. Even in a pack, they don't gang up and corner humans. But not like wolves. It's wolves you must fear. Yeah. So what they say is some some tips is that when you have a little pet that's coming with you, don't let those pets run loose because they will attract the coyotes more than you will. They tr- mm. they don't want to be near you. And when you're out there, make a lot of noise. Put your music on, but not in your headphones. Put the music on that you have with you out loud and just blare that. And make sure that all the animals around you know that you're coming and they're going to take off. Hmm. There's a story of a guy who was a patrol or a park ranger up in Canada, I think it was. If not, Canada was Montana. And he riding his bike every morning in the same trail but he he didn't mean to he just rode the trail and happened to sneak up on a bear now this guy was the most prepared you could be the most experienced of years of park ranger stuff and yet when he came upon that bear so suddenly and the bear wasn't expecting it the bear reacted in its only way it knew how and it killed the guy Mm. and so if that guy had made a ton of noise on his way to the bear the bear probably would have been long gone or at least aware of him and not worried about attacking first and just staying away and staying distant Mm -hmm. and so keep yourself Mm. safe by making noise let someone else know where you are 
And honestly, they say in a coyote attack, do not run. If you run, you actually encourage them to attack. They feel like they can. You need to stand your ground and fight. Use your heavy tripod. Use a walking stick if you could bring that. And you can fight them off. They're not really going to overpower you. As long as they don't knock you to the ground, you're not going to get all that hurt. You'll get some scratches if they're serious about attacking you, if they even do attack you. The one case that's happened recently where they had attacked a guy with two coyotes and he was walking down the street home from work after working all night and they came up on him and he just stood his ground and he fought them off and eventually they mm. gave up and went away. So you just need to stand your ground, fight back, use something firm and heavy and you'll be okay. So don't be afraid of these. Yeah, so it's almost like coyotes are looking for an easy an easy out, an easy an easy catch or an easy target. Precisely. Kind of so don't be afraid of them. They're afraid of you. And honestly, don't go out there ready to attack, mace, kill, shoot, all these things. They're nature. You're interrupting their location. Go out there preparing to keep yourself safe if you have to. Then use whatever you have on you. If you are carrying a weapon, use it. If you're going to have anything like a mace to shoot, to fire in their eyes, use it. If you have a laser to go pew, 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 and make them (laughs) like a cat, chase that laser off into the distance, use whatever you got. So thank you guys again for joining us on another Photog Adventure podcast. We appreciate you guys being with us and following us along on all of our ventures. We hope that you guys will find a way to make time around your day jobs and other responsibilities to get out there and go on a Photog Adventure of your own. Thank you, Brendan, for being with us tonight. Yeah, it's been fun, guys, and we're glad to have you along for the journey. And thank you to all of you listening, and we'll catch you next time on Photog Adventures. See you later, guys.